Welcome to the Life Church Auburn Hills Sermon Podcast. We're a multicultural community being transformed and empowered by the grace, truth, and love of Jesus. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. All right, if you would, just let's round those conversations out. I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little hungry right now, hearing all this good stuff you're going to bring. Um, so, um, hello, hello. All right. Yeah, I'm getting a little hungry right now hearing all the good stuff people are going to bring. Um, I mentioned that I was going to bring an empty plate. Yeah. Uh, good morning again. Um, I'm Don Earl. It, it's a blessing. It is to see you. And as Brendan had mentioned earlier, it gives me joy. It really does to see each and every one of you because we are here because, because of Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, I'd like to say real quick, I thought they were going to mention it earlier, but happy birthday to Eric Gonzalez. Come on, let's make some noise. Our worship leader. I would sing, but they're recording, so. But happy birthday, man. Thank you for leading us in worship today. Um, we're, again, in this series called Beyond Happy. And we've been exploring the idea and the essence of joy. Joy, that is something that is much more than a feeling, even though it involves our feelings. I want to throw up this definition here, what we basically were sharing. Uh, let me show you what the definition of joy. This is our, our working definition right here. Let's bring this up. It's an emotion that is sustained by connection to and confidence in God. Connected, being connected to and having confidence in God. In week one, I shared personally um, having joy when life is uncertain. Last week, Brendan shared when life seems unfair. And I have an actual update from his message. If you were here and you listened to what he said, um, the update is this, that his son Isaac uh, got blocks. He got his own blocks, so he shouldn't be taking any, anybody else's blocks anymore. Um, but really, seriously, what he was talking about was the idea of us resisting the natural urge of competition, comparison, and conceit, and pressing into joy, living life, and serving and honoring one another. And God, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy at all. But as we mentioned before, happiness is very circumstantial. It is based on what is happening. It's based on outward stuff. And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to have joy, something that is not contingent on what's going on around you, but is more reflective of what's happening, the transformation that is happening on the inside of you. And I thought of this definition I heard um, Willie uh, Jennings. 
He said this, that joy is the act of resistance. It's an act of resistance against despair and its forces. It's a refusal to go down. It's a refusal to give up, a refusal to throw in the towel. And my mind immediately went to uh, this passage in Nehemiah. Put it on the screen here. Where they were rebuilding the temple and they got hold of the word of God and they were standing for hours listening to the word. We won't be here for hours. I didn't throw that out there just to kind of set the stage. But they were standing and worshiping. And this is what Nehemiah said. He said, this day is holy to our Lord. This is his day is reserved. And he says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, it is your strength. It is his joy that keeps us, again, from losing it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's joy that keeps us from saying, you know, this, this is it. And in and, and week one, I, I shared some of the personal challenges just in this season that in the last year that we face uh, issue with my, my daughter, uh, again, lost my mother in March. And um, as many of you already know that, my brother, or, or my sister rather, was diagnosed with endometrial cancer. This is all in the span of, of one year. And as you know, last week we were actually out, and I miss you all. Uh, thank you again for your prayers, but we were out in North Carolina to pay our last respects to my father in love, as, as my mother would say, my father-in-law, because he passed as well. And I'm going to be real. I'm right now I'm fighting through stuff. <laughs> it's been hard watching my wife uh, grieve the loss of her father, watching my children um, grieve the second grandparent in just over six months. And all of this has been really just, oh, I, I can't really explain how, how, how much this has just really been bothering me. But it is joy that lets me know that this is not the end. It's, it's joy that, 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 lets me know that God always has the final say. And it's also joy that reminds me that this is just a season. And seasons, my brothers and sisters, seasons change. Hallelujah. Seasons change. And I'm reminded of this old gospel song, Reverend Timothy Wright. Some of, some of you may have heard and some of you may have to Google it later. Um, Timothy Wright, he would sing, I'm so glad that trouble don't last always. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that trouble, it doesn't last always. And then a part of the verse, it said, weeping, it may endure for a night. But he says, keep the faith. Everything will be all right. So I'd like to encourage you all 
that trouble, it doesn't last always. Just like there are challenging times, there are good times. We're, we, we have good times. We have good days. But I don't know about you, I, I found this out that during good times, sometimes we, we get distracted. Sometimes during good times when life is going well, we, we're on autopilot. And we really don't press into our relationship with God. Our desires become displaced and our motivations become misaligned. And I remember in the church I grew up, we, we would have our older women would be, we call them mothers and consider them as mothers. We had a church mother. And I'll never forget Mother Doris Duckett. She got up and she started talking and saying, some of you, she said, you treat God like a spare tire. I'm like, whoa. This is how we do doing good times. He's put away in the trunk, underneath somewhere, until life gets flat. And then we pull him out. Jesus, I need you now. Get the tire fixed. Goes back in the trunk. I said, most of us, we, we know how that is. Let's be truthful. When things are going well, we, our connection and our confidence is, is, is not necessarily in God. It's in our wealth. It's in our health. It's in our associations. We put it in our affiliations, our social status, and our jobs. But those things will give you a false hope. And it robs us from really experiencing true connection with God. John 17, verse 3 says this, that here is eternal life. Because sometimes when things are good, we think we're living. We hear people, I'm living. But John said, and again, 17, 3, he said, this is eternal life for us to know. Know the true God. And for us to be in a relationship with Jesus, the one that he sent. And here's the deal. Real joy comes from knowing Jesus. It's not found in stuff. And so for us, today we're going to find out how did Paul shift from what was good to access what was great. Let's take a moment and just pray, and then we'll dive further into this message. Dear Father, we thank you so much for this moment that we have. And I thank you because you, Lord, said in our weakness you will be strong. And we pray right now that you would just speak to your people, um, that you open our ears so we can hear you, open Lord, our eyes so we can see what it is you're doing and open our hearts, Lord, to receive it. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, and we pray that you are glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, in week one and two, we talked about the context for this letter, Philippians 
basically Paul was writing, he was in prison, he was arrested and actually house arrest. And most of the times, if you're locked in, if you've been beat and been treated wrong, you're not thinking about encouraging somebody else. You're thinking about what's happening to you. But Paul, because he had joy, he had joy in Jesus, he was writing this letter to encourage the church. And this is what he says as we are in uh, chapter 3. He starts off chapter 3 by stating this. He says, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. And as I was studying this, I, I got stuck here. I did. Because, again, Paul was in a situation. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. He didn't know how it was going to turn out. But as we shared and we won, no matter what, he said, I'm going to win. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But he says to this group of Christians in Philippi, he says, I'm reminding you, I'm saying it again, finally rejoice. Find the reason to be glad, to be excited in Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. It is in the Lord, not in what's happening, but in him. Your situations will change, but Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He will not change. And if you want consistency, then you will find your fullness in the Lord. And then he goes on to warn the Christians. He warns them and says this. He says, beware of dogs. I'm like, whoa, didn't even know that was in there. It's in there. Beware of And I know the language has changed because we call each other dog. What's up, dog? That's not, that's not what he was saying. Neither was he talking about domesticated animals like this one that I borrowed from Leona. This is hulky. Yeah, it's a cute little dog. It brings you joy, right? No. No, he was not talking about this, but he's talking about wild, bloodthirsting animals. They were not trained, and nothing would stop them from quenching their thirst. But what Paul was saying was not animals I'm trying to warn you about, but people with the spirit of that type of dog. And specifically, there were what they called Judaizers. There were people that were following behind Paul and were saying, listen, they were trying to convert the Gentiles, those that were not Jew. They were saying that you need Jesus, yeah, we, we'll give you that, but you need something else. They were trying to steal the essence of the joy. So Paul is saying, beware of dogs that is trying to take from you the essence and the source of your joy. Watch out for them. They're mutilators. They want to lock you into rules. But let me explain to you, God is not trying to lock you into rules. 
He's trying to invite you into a relationship. And see, we have to understand this. It's not rules and rituals that God is wanting you involved in, but he wants you to get to know him. So he says, watch out. And in verse 3, he says this, for it is we, we're the circumcision. And circumcision was really important to the Jews. That's why these Judaizers were saying, nope, you got to be circumcised. You got to be a part of this. This was a sign of the covenant. This let everybody know that we were different people. And they were trying to add that to these new converts. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. We are the circumcision. Why? We worship in the spirit. We're not talking about flesh. We're worshiping in the spirit of God and boast in Jesus Christ and have no confidence, no confidence at all in the flesh. It is not these external things that connect me to God. And see, I think this is the problem with religion because it tells us what we need to do to get to God. But that's not Christianity. That's not the gospel message that Paul was preaching. It is not what you need to do to get to God. The gospel message is what God did to get to you. And I know that sometimes may not settle right um, on, on some that are, are religious. But that's the deal. Paul said, no, this is what Jesus did. This is what God did to get to you. And it's something different from working for approval. I, I've been there trying to prove myself, trying to be accepted. There's a difference between working for approval and then working from approval. And see, if you receive Jesus, then you're working now from approval because you've already been accepted. All right. Y'all just missed a good place to give God's. <laughs> you, you've been accepted. And he says, I have no confidence in the flesh. The only thing I can brag about now, this is what Paul is saying, is Jesus. He's the only thing good that's happening in my life. And, and, and listen to what it goes on to say. <laughs> that he says, look, if anybody have reason to brag, he's like, pull up my resume. Pull it up. If anybody is to have confidence in, in, in the flesh, in external things, he's like, I'm that guy. And listen to his list. He starts off with saying, I was circumcised on the eighth day. See, that speaks to good family. People that were following the covenant. I started off on the right foot. In fact, we find out later in Acts 22 and 6 that his father was an actual Pharisee. 
He said, I started off right, and I was a member of the people of Israel. I'm a member of the people, God's chosen people, that he chose to introduce the world to who he was. Because when we say the chosen people, we think it was just them, and that's it. But God's intention was always to reach everybody else through them. But he said, man, I'm from the people of Israel. We walked with God. And then he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. That just sounds cool. <laughs> I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, both sides of my family, my mom's side, my dad's pure. There's nothing undefiled in my lineage. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And he said, concerning the law, he said, I was a Pharisee. Talking about the, 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 most, the highest religious order. It's like I got my qualifications. I was a Pharisee. And they were responsible. So they thought of connecting Israel back to God. And then he says, concerning the law, so you want to talk about Good, he said, I was blameless. I was dotting every I and crossing every T. I was doing it. Life was good. I want to pause here and ask this question. What are you, what are you finding confidence in? Because Paul here was saying, that this is where my confidence was in. If anybody had to brag, it was me. I had all this stuff going for me. In fact, he said, I excelled much more than all my contemporaries, those that were my age. They, they couldn't touch me. And he was finding his confidence in, in that. So what do you find your confidence in today? Is it your race because you come from a good line? Is it the rituals that you, you keep? Is it your rank? Is that what it is? Or maybe your righteousness because you're a good rule follower. And I, I know personally, you know, growing up in the church, I was a pretty good rule follower. I had parents that were black. I'm, I'm gonna just leave that at that. <laughs> they believed in tightening you up. That's what <laughs> spankings that is. And so I was, I was good with following rules. Again, that's not condoning, just context. <laughs> Got to be careful these days. <laughs> and so this is what Paul said, verse 8. As we move forward. More than that, he's like, all that stuff that I had going for me that was good, he said, I regard everything as loss. It was nothing. Why? Because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. That stuff that I put my confidence in, that I, I thought was checking me off with God. Look at my list, God. He said, I counted loss because there was a greater value. It was good, but there was something greater that was in 
Jesus. Everything that I'm, I'm aiming for and, and going for is found in him. And he says, my Lord, Jesus Christ, my Lord, for his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish in order that I might gain or may gain Christ. He said all those credentials meant nothing. Rubbish. King James Version says dung or excrement. I'm going to stop there. It, nothing. Verse 9 says this, I was not found in that stuff anymore. I, my identity was not in that. In my race, my, the rituals, my rank, my righteousness, but being found in him. Not having a righteousness, righteousness of my own that comes from rule following, but the one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God that is based on faith. It's based on not what I do, but what he did. Because the truth of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, you will never be good enough. We could never be good enough to earn our way into right relationship. So Jesus stepped in, or God stepped in humanity and said, I'll do it for you. And for you to receive this righteousness, what you have to do is believe on him. It kind of reminds me when the disciples, they had asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, what can we do? to work the works that you do? What can we do to work those works of eternal life? What can we do? And I got my pen ready because I'm looking for the list. I'm like, yeah, give me the list because I want to do that because I want to earn it. And this is what Jesus responded. He said to believe. What? They asked, what can we do? And he said, believe. Believe on the one that God sent. Our righteousness is in him and in him alone. But Paul, he was willing to let it all go. I I'm wondering, how much are we willing to let go? How much are we willing to, to release? And I found out this. That you can almost tell how much somebody loves something by how much they're actually willing to let go. All that other stuff didn't mean anything to Paul because he really wanted a relationship with God. And I have to be honest, this message today, it really hit me because I said, first of all, I'm like, do I really, really know Jesus? Because we do talk about joy a lot. But if we ask ourselves, do we really have joy? Is it really there? Because uh, too often we're fitting God into our schedule. And Paul's like, no, 
If you want joy, if you want to get to know Jesus, then everything should revolve around Jesus. And so here's Paul Aim. He said, I want to know. I really want to know Jesus. And this, this word know, the Greek word here for know, it doesn't speak to head knowledge. It speaks to experience. The same word in, that is in Hebrew that is used when it says Adam knew his wife Eve and they bore Cain or Cain. And that's not sitting around learning each other. It means that they were intimately involved. And this word here that Paul is saying, he said, I want you. My desire is to know, to have an experience with Jesus to the point where I'm bearing fruit. And then he says, I want to know him. And then he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. My brothers and sisters, do you know that the same power, the scripture tells us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus lives in us today. And see, this is what Paul was saying. I want to know that resurrection power. The power to, 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 to live right. The power to love my enemies. Come on now. We lose it when people post stuff, crazy stuff online. He said, I want power of your resurrection. I want to live alive. I want you to live alive in me. Power to tell myself no. When I need to say no to things that are not doing me good, I want to know that power. Power to speak up when I need to speak. And power to shut up. Anybody need to, that power? <laughs> Come on. There are times when conversations are going on, you know, passionate discussion with my wife, a.k.a. arguments. And it's like, you just be quiet, don't say anything else, and you just got to get this out. We talk, I need power sometimes, let's just be quiet. It's the power. <laughs> y'all laughing because y'all know it's real. And then participate in his sufferings. Paul says, I want to participate. In his suffering. Now we, today we really don't talk too much about suffering. Because everything, you know, you know Jesus and his pie in the sky. But that's not the way. That was definitely not the first century's perspective. First century believers. They had threats on every side. But he says, I want to participate even in your suffering. Because what I found out 
is that in the suffering, I really get to know him when I suffer for his cause and for his work. And when this is what he says, he has his moment of vulnerability as we wrap up. He has his moment of vulnerability and he says, brothers, sisters, verse 13, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He has this real moment and say, listen, guys, I'm not there yet. And I think we need to be honest that this walk of faith that God is calling us on, it is a journey. It is a process. And here the man that wrote over half the New Testament is saying, I'm not there yet. I've said this quote once before. When you think you've arrived, you probably end up in the wrong place. I don't some of us think we, we got it all together. He said, no, I'm not there yet, but this is what I'm doing. Because sometimes we just like, look, I'm so glad. I know we say this in, in, in some churches. I'm so glad. I thank God what, what I'm not, what I used to be. I'm not what I used to be, but I thank God for where, oh, no, no, I just messed that up. I'm, I'm not where I used to be, but I thank God, or I'm not where I need to be. That's it. But I thank God. See, I told you I'm not there yet. I'm not where I need to be. <laughs> but I thank God I'm not where I used to be. That's what I was trying to say. Up, up, up here sounding like, sounding like Porky Pig, but... <laughs> but, but we say that... And we settle. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not where I need to be, but this is one thing I'm going to do. I'm not going to stay here. He says, but this one thing I do, I'm forgetting what's behind me. And I'm straining. I'm pressing toward what is ahead. And so he's telling us, and the band, come up. Press, he said, press toward the mark. Paul's life, he said, everything about me now is Jesus. The only thing that I want to do, the only one I want to honor is Jesus. It's not about these external things. It's not about trying to get right with God but it's about being right because of Jesus. And I'll leave you this, with this. This is how we can make knowing Jesus a priority. I was thinking about it. I said, how can, we, how can we make Jesus a priority? How do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. Spend time. Fight for it. Press. If it's five minutes, Spend time in prayer. Spend some time reading the scripture. Spend time with other believers. And then he says this, verse 15 through 18. He says, to have the same mind that I have. Make Jesus your target. Nothing else. 
press forward, forgetting the past, reaching forth. And then he says this, to keep your eyes. Sometimes we get distracted. And just like when you're driving, if you look somewhere else, if you look to the side, you wind up going that direction. Looking at something on the side of the road, you start steering that way. But Paul said, keep your eyes on people that are living this life. Connect with somebody and keep your eyes on him. Because as we close, when you know Jesus, you will know joy. Because joy is found in him. He's accomplished it. He is our peace. He's our everything. Let's take a moment and just pray. You may be here and you're thinking, man, I don't know him like that. This message, I think, came for, to, to me first. Get through me. To you all as well. For each and every one of us to really press into knowing Jesus. As not, not a head knowledge, not just coming on Sunday and Wednesdays, but every day to go in deeper in our relationship. And this is what he's inviting each and every one of us to. And if you have never said yes to Jesus, this is a moment where you can just see, Jesus, all right, I want to know you. You can just simply just see, Jesus, I give you my life. You gave yours to get to know me. And I want to give mine so I can know you. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the great sacrifice. Help us to really get to know you. That's your desire. This is a purpose and essence of eternal life is so we can know you. And regardless of what's going on in our life, we will find joy. Help us, Lord. Save us from ourselves, from destruction, from our sins. That's why you came. And we give your name the honor and praise. Amen. As Brendan is coming up, I'm going to leave this, this one passage. The end of that scripture, Paul says this. He said, I want you to know that you're citizens. You have a new citizenship. And your citizenship is in heaven. And it's from there that we're expecting a savior. We're expecting Jesus because Jesus, and we, we don't talk about it much, but he is coming back. And I want to encourage you to live with that expectation that we will meet him one day. And we will have joy that is unspeakable that is full of glory. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about us, visit us online at lifechurchopenhills.org.